1: Hey, good afternoon and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci, so glad you could join me on this free for all Friday as we take your calls and answer your questions. In the first hour we paid a lot of attention to the issues uh surrounding Ukraine, not just what it means if Russia invades, but what it means uh to people all over the world and particularly in the Middle East of uh who who rely on goods and services coming out of Ukraine and the cascading effect that will take place. But we're about to find out. 303-873-1935. And, of course, we've been talking over the past year and a half about the rise of the post-truth culture and the rise of the sexual revolution and America's commitment to make sure that the first freedom is sexual expression, but that the last freedom is religious freedom until they can make it go away altogether. And of course, we've talked about the rise of critical race theory and the rise of secular religion and the reality that we're living in a civilizational confrontation that could quite possibly change the way everybody lives in the world. 303 873 1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. Happy to take your calls on, the, on Free for All uh, Friday about, well, the Bible. And I love, love, obviously, taking your Bible questions. Um, you know, people ask me, what's my favorite part of the Bible? And you know, if somebody needs to get saved, if they need to know, if if they need to be encouraged, I tell them to read the Gospel of John. If they're discouraged, I tell them to read the Book of Romans. <laughs> but as we were talking earlier to Dave, you know, who's who's making his way. Through the Bible. Good on him. I'm hoping you've made the decision to read your Bible. You know, in the Old Testament, there are 39 books. There are 929 chapters. There are 23,214 verses. There are 593,493 words. Of course, the translatable words. The longest book. In the Old Testament is the book of Psalms. The shortest book is the book of Obadiah. There are 17 historical books. There are five poetical books. There are 17 prophetical books. That's just in the Old Testament. And of course, in the New Testament, there's 27 books and 260 chapters. But what you may not know is is that it wasn't always that way. I mean there were there were always these words, but there weren't always the chapter divisions that we experience now to make it easy so that you know people who quote chapter and verse, it's sort of the address on where to go. It's sort of like again, if you are tech savvy and you need to go somewhere, you need to know the address. And that's where chapter divisions come came from and why they're such an important part for Bible students and Bible teachers. 303-873-1935. Did you know that it wasn't until about 1250 AD or in the common era that the Bible was divided into chapters? At that time, there was a guy named Cardinal Hugo who incorporated chapter divisions into the Vulgate or the Latin Bible His divisions, although for convenience, weren't always, quote-unquote, accurate, however. Essentially, those same chapter divisions have persisted even to this day. In 1551, a guy named Robert Estienne introduced a Greek New Testament with the inclusion of verse divisions. So now think about what I just said to you. The chapter divisions begin about 1250 A.D. The verses, 1551, and he didn't fix verses for the Old Testament. The first entire English Bible to have verse divisions was the Geneva Bible in 1560. So guess what? Having chapter and verse becomes very helpful. <laughs> there are seven thousand nine hundred and fifty-nine verses in the in the New Testament. There are one hundred and eighty-one thousand two hundred and fifty-three words in the New Testament. The longest New Testament book, Acts. The shortest, the little Epistle of Third John, and of course, the four Gospels, and the historical books, and twenty-two epistles. I love, talk. I love the Bible. I love the table of contents. I even love the maps. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Eugene, welcome to the program.
2: Hi. Thanks for taking my call, Gino. Long time no talk.
1: Hey, thanks.
2: I, you, you know, it's a weird question, but you said it's free-for-all Friday. So it
1: is free-for-all Friday.
2: So we'll have a free-for-all. My question is about the Nephilim. Okay. And Genesis 6.
1: I'm very familiar with it. (laughs) I bet
2: you are. I bet you've had this discussion a few times, but I haven't heard you talk about it, so I thought I'd better get you to do another rendition. And also, Jude, verse 6, and angels who left their proper abodes, and there are these verses that seem to hint at angels doing things they weren't supposed to do. We know the Bible teaches that you can be mistaken thinking someone is a person, and they're really an angel, so they clearly have a lot of human manifestations, and the Nephilim were supernatural. They really can't be explained by a series of genetic mutations because there hadn't been enough uh, genetic sequences up to that point. There's only a few generations at the point that they came along.
1: Right. There there are three options that that have been popularized. I'm sure there are more, and I think I've came up with about five different options. But that word, Nephilim, means... Fallen ones, you know, in yep. the Hebrew. Um, From somewhere. Yeah. So in, in Genesis 6, where it says, when man began to multiply on the face of the land, daughters were born to them, the sons of God, saw that the daughters yep. of man were attractive, and they That's took right. as wives any that they chose. Now, what's yep. interesting about this, that expression, Elohim," the sons of God, um th- that not, word not is
2: sons of, not sons of men sons of
1: God. No it's sons of God it's ben elohim and it's used yep. of Adam because he's he was a, a, an exact he was he had no physical father in other words it's yep. a it, Adam is sometimes called ben elohim um angels in the book of of uh, in in the book of Proverbs. excuse me in the book of Job In certain psalms, they're they're called ben Elohim. Um, Human beings who who are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit are called ben Elohim. So, I've only got a few seconds here, but if you don't mind holding, um, so there's one of three choices. These are human beings. These are angelic beings. Some have suggested these are human beings who are possessed by angelic beings. Now, again, no matter which choice you make, there are problems. And let me tell you what I mean by that.
2: Okay, I'll hold
1: on. Yeah, I'll tell you what I mean by, well, what are some of the problems that we face no matter which choice we make? This is Gino Geraci, 303 1935 more with Ben Elohim, the sons of God, when we come back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Jeracy. So glad you could join me. We're talking with, um, with Eugene, and uh, we're talking about the Nephilim. And so, obviously, whoever these people are, we, we have to at first identify who the sons of God and who the daughters of men are in order to try and get a, a handle on their offspring, So if they're fallen angels, so remember I said they're possibly they're fallen angels. Another view is that they're powerful human rulers or that they're descendants of Seth intermarrying with the wicked descendants of Cain. And or, you know, another option has been they are these powerful rulers who are somehow inhabited by demonic beings. Now, if it is, in fact, fallen angels, Elohim. The the way that I would the idea that it's always a reference to angels isn't exactly true. It is sometimes a reference to Adam, but no other human being. In the New Testament, to people who are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, because God is your Father in that sense. Yeah. But in Job one six, it says, "Now there was a day when Ben Elohim, the sons of God." Came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also among them, and then in chapter two it says again there was a day when Ben Elohim came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also. That same expression, chapter thirty-eight, when the morning stars sang together and all the Ben Elohim shouted for joy. So uh, the, there are there seems to be good reason that these are angelic spirit beings. Now, some people have criticized the idea that these are angelic beings, because in Matthew 22, 30, you know, Jesus uses the reference about marriage in heaven. And they said, Jesus said in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels. Now, again, when Jesus is making that statement, I don't think Jesus is saying that there's no gender or that angelic beings don't have a gender. Always um, angels present themselves like you indicated earlier. Um, But again...
2: They they just can't can't marry. It doesn't say they
1: can't be a sexual being. Well, and again, even if we ask and answer the question, is it possible that unmarried women or unmarried men... Are still capable of reproduction, yes. and so the Bible gives us no reason to believe that angels aren't a particular gender. the Bible says we're a little lower than the angels, yes. and so now the the weakness is again when you when you have these angelic beings who somehow are able to reproduce with human beings, It's that's pretty creepy stuff. Yes. However...
2: Rosemary, Rosemary's
1: Baby. Yeah, it's kind of Rosemary, Baby, creepy kinds of stuff. But, again, you'll notice that the Nephilim are something other than human. In other words, they, they seem to be something other than human. You know, again, when an ordinary human marries another ordinary human, they don't produce giants or heroes of old or men of renown. That's right. So...
2: And most most references in the Bible that where they talk about an angel, the, the impression that the individual has, talking to the angel, is they're scared. The... So, so you infer these are big guys. Angels tend to be big and powerful and very imposing figures,
1: right? And so again, part of the challenge is there not didn't seem to be a prohibition between, let's say, the 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 unbelieving descendants of Cain and the believing descendants of Seth. There was never a prohibition between marriage between Seth Sethites and Canites. And and then again, it would appear that whatever this is, it results in a catastrophic judgment.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, again, my my own view is that that these are angelic beings is the most likely view. And the reason well, you the, the you reason
2: know, it says sorry to interrupt, but it says that those people, those angels who left their normal abode, were cast into darkness prematurely. In Jude, they weren't the other angels when they confront Jesus and say, we know who you are, Son of God. Right. Jesus, thou Son of God, don't send us into the Abyss until our time.
1: Right. Jude's, Jude's,
2: guys, Jude's, these, dudes are, these dudes are already there in chains.
1: Right. In Jude 6, it says, the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority. Yeah. Another translation yeah. is they kept not their own estate, but yeah. left their proper dwelling. Are mm-hmm are kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until judgment now again that that seems to be it's been offered as an explanation in part that the the save remember there's a promised seed part of the 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 main theme of the bible is the redemption of human beings the redeemer the messiah is going to be human God isn't going to send an angelic be Correct. an angelic being in order to save angelic beings, and right. God the, God doesn't become an angel in order to save angels.
2: Exactly, and I've heard you speak on that
3: before. Right. Correct. So, I, is I it you, totally.
1: is it plausible that angelic beings are capable of taking on human form? There's there's chapter and verse throughout the Bible that seems to indicate that there are angelic beings who appear to Abraham. They appear to other people. They interact with people. You'll remember during the judgment in Sodom and Gomorrah, an angelic being is able to take them by the hand and drag them out. You'll remember when the angels also um, appeared in Sodom that the, the Sodomites tried to sexually assault them And so and they, so they
4: appeared very human.
1: Well, it, it, they appear an, uh, enough as a human that that the sodomites are <laughs> are attra- attracted to them. Not only attracted, but but they're willing to do the most crazy things to 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 assault them. In other words, remember they're struck blind, and they yeah. still want to go through with their perversion. Yeah. Now so so when when we think about that, there are also pseudopigraphal books, like The Book of Enoch and other extra biblical and apocryphal books yeah. and In those books it 's unanimous; they unanimously hold the view that these fallen angels are Ben Elohim, the sons of god so if that 's the case, now we go back to that issue: Who are these people? the Nephilim, and if they are beings that aren't human, and they're not necessarily angelic, there's some sort of hybrid being, again, this would explain, in part, why there's this catastrophic judgment on the planet Earth, and and that they are going to be destroyed. Um, so... Again, that idea, they are the heroes of old, men of renown. In my view, you know, obviously some people have – our our friends from um, ancient aliens say – ancient alien theorists say these are extraterrestrials. But yeah. again, I suspect that there's nothing in the Bible that leads me to believe that these are extraterrestrials. In other words, beings that come from another planet – and then right. come here but rather these are supernatural angelic beings called they're they're angelic beings
2: yeah and, and the whole they some a few people got way out you know way out in the weeds with like the the movie noah
1: yes they, they
2: helped him build the ark and then they just shoot up with their jetpacks Back up into the stratosphere, or right? They're, they're
1: like rock monsters, yeah.
2: Yeah, they're rock monsters, yeah, totally. And so, I, I mean, I think you can get so far out there that makes sense. Right. Think the possibility that angels cohabit with women. Children,
1: it is creepy.
2: It is. It's, it's, cre-
1: cre-
2: it's creepy. creepy. But it's the only thing that makes it sense. You know, right. So, well, and I'm so.
1: This is Gino Geraci. I'll be back. 303-873-1935. Creepy stuff. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see if we can take some calls. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Um, Is it Kyle or is it Kyle? Welcome to the program. Thank you. Um, I have kind of a
4: case of ADD, and so uh, what I find keeps me engaged best is, like, getting a new stud- study Bible every 18 to 24 months. And I just wonder <laughs> if there's any that you like that were coming out or had come out in the last year or two, you, any that you thought were particularly good.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, the ones that I enjoy, I think, the most are the ones that give me um well they they've been out a long time like the life application bible or there's mm-hmm. a few others you know I like you I I have a macarthur study bible I have a uh I have an old my very first one was a scofield I have NIV study bible I have an archaeological study bible I yeah. have um, manners and customs now that might be one that I think that you if you have a lot of study bibles um, that that might be helpful, but it might even be more helpful just to get a great book on manners and customs like by Craig Keener that have the Old Testament and the New Testament customs and manners um, it just depends on how what kind of comprehensive information you're looking for, whether it 's from an archaeological standpoint whether it 's from An apologetic standpoint. There's been a couple of apologetic uh, study Bibles that have come out by my friend uh, Lee Strobel, for instance. Um, So it just depends on what you're looking for. You know, are you looking for language? Are you looking for history? Are you looking for manners and customs? Um, Sounds to me like you're curious about everything. Pretty pretty much.
4: I mean, I did some Greek Greek in seminary. Just a teeny bit of Hebrew, but my brain just didn't wrap around Hebrew very well.
1: Well, it's 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 tough. Yeah. Do you have Logos uh, software? I don't.
4: I've been thinking about getting it.
1: I would save your money, I mean, in the sense of the study Bible, and I would get Logos, and I would start with the free version. Just get the free version, and you're going to get so much stuff that it's going to blow your mind. And if okay. you upgrade to even some modest Bible software, you know, it's going to give you some study Bible study tools that are just so beneficial. And, um, you know, instead of slaving over the text, it's going to get – and then they have a free book of the month. So there you are. You're getting 12 free books for, guess what, zero cost. Wow. Okay. See, Can for I, me, there's only one thing I like more than books, Kyle. Free books.
4: <laughs> I I hear you. Between my <laughs> wife and I, there's almost probably between eight and ten thousand in our house. Uh, see, and away. I get
1: I get that. I I yeah. literally gave away eighteen boxes. I have I've called it down to th- about three thousand um, for you. <laughs> so yeah, I'm in trouble. I mean my wife makes me watch an episode of hoarders and then I have to <laughs> pray and think about how to go forward.
4: As long as I'm asking and God bless you
1: for getting rid of books. My wife
4: hates doing that, but she gives them, she reads them and then she gives them away. So
1: no, and that, to her. Yeah. And that's good. And you know, again, for me, I obviously teach the Bible and, preach the gospel and have this daily radio program. And so my life literally is, You, if you've listened at all, you probably know that, you know, I'm curious, like you, about everything. And so I want to know about language. I want to know about culture. I want to know history, geography, um, you know, word origins. And so there's all kinds of wonderful tools out there. But Again, if you want the most amount of tools for the least amount of money that's going to give you the most amount of information, start with Logos Bible Software. Get okay. the free version. If you can even afford an, a modest version, get whatever you can get. And, again, you don't have to worry about storing the books and and um, and all of that stuff. Okay. Hey, quick thing. I used to
4: listen to you all the time, but now I work extended hours. So what's what's your... Favorite versions of the Bible these days.
1: My favorite version. Mm-hmm. You know, are, I I I've obviously from from a teaching standpoint, I've been using the New King James Version, but from a study and preparation and uh, using scholastic tools, the ESV is one I seem to be using more and more and more.
4: I hear you. I like that one.
1: Yeah, okay. I like it too. I like it too. And and again, you know you the whole point becomes, you know, you're trying to get clarity and brevity and simplicity. You know, the point is to try and communicate in a a language that's appropriate for 2021. Oh wait, who am I kidding? It's 2022. I'm so sorry. I just said that (laughs) in my brain. You you could probably tell Kyle I'm it's still last year. I got you. What do you think of the message? About I I am not a big fan of the message, okay. and um, the reason why I am not a big fan of the message is because I think that it has um, very—you know, I've used it on, on a couple of occasions, especially when I was teaching through the Book of Romans, um, but— the the translation obviously it it, it isn't a it isn't it, it, it isn't a translation it's a it's a paraphrase right and um there's some things in it that i think he goes a little too far um even in the paraphrase uh and it, because you 've been to seminary you know that one of the first hermeneutical principles is that the text can never mean what it never meant? Right. But but again, I think there are pros and and there are, are cons, and that the cons outweigh the the, the pros. pros. Um, and again, I think it's more of the author Eugene Peterson's. You know, it's almost like Eugene Peterson is inserting things that aren't even remotely associated with the text mm-hmm. so it. again it needs to be used i think with a deep um it's all about context as you can imagine does this mean that there's nothing that you that eugene peterson ever says that has any value i i wouldn't go that far Right, but yeah, yeah, but um, you know, again, when you're when you're a Bible teacher, I think that you have to be careful when you're dealing with something that's. Let's just be charitable here for a minute, and say it's playful, Mm -hmm. or it is peripheral. But at what point does it become? So disconnected from what the text says that that it becomes dangerous. Gotcha. Like in John one one and you know the word was first. The word presents to God. God uh, present present to the word. The word was God. It in readiness for God from day one. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I don't find that helpful.
4: Right. Gino, thank you so much. Keep doing what you're doing, brother. It's a blessing <laughs> to a lot of us out here. So God bless them.
1: Thank you. But at,
4: have a have a great new year.
1: Obviously, retain a high not retain a high view of the scripture, Absolutely. and be careful. Yeah, be careful when we're padding it with TikTok theology. <laughs> thank you. Have a good one. See ya. This is Gino Geraci. I just coined that phrase. Tick-tock theology, not for me. 303-873-1935. I'll be back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Vic, welcome to the program.
3: Hey, brother. How's it going? Doing good. Hey, so I was just wondering about the Nephilim conversation about um, the, the, the Nephilim, weren't they destroyed in the flood? And then isn't there a reference to them after the flood? Yes. Um,
1: the, 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 so the, the way that I would answer your question is there is a reference after the flood, and you're exactly right. They're destroyed in the flood, but in Moses' day, there's this report, like you said, that's brought back in the book of Numbers, and you'll remember the spies go out and they're they're evaluating the land. It's sort of an Israeli reconnaissance group, and they say that they found um, uh, the descendants of Anak who come from the Nephilim, and it says we seem like gr- grasshoppers in our eyes, and in Numbers uh, chapter. 13, verses 32 and 33, they're described as Nephilim. And the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of, of the Hebrew Old Testament, they literally use the word giants. So this is not a, a, a direct translation, but an attempt to communicate the idea that this is a large person. So um, it's quite possible that the Nephilim changed its meaning in in the sense that it began to be used not just as what we talked about in genesis chapter 6 but it became a sort of word to describe anyone who is a giant but also there's a this there's a there's a nuance monster like um but to to when we're talking about huge, like have you know you've heard of a monster truck or a monster candy bar? Now, again, in our culture and society, if I say it's a monster candy bar or it's a monster truck, you and I know what we mean by that. I just means huge. It doesn't mean it's a monster like Frankenstein or like you know like you and I might have thought of of, of a monster before,
3: mm-hmm. um,
1: but. But just, again, to to your point, we we go back to that creepy idea, and the creepy idea is if angelic beings could impregnate women before the flood, can they impregnate them after the flood? Well,
3: that, I think that's why I, I got confused because you know it doesn't necessarily say there's a time frame, but let's I, I mean, a lot of this seems like there's some, there's assumptions, you know, being made on
1: it. And- exactly. So that's why I'm trying to bring out all of those assumptions. You know, yeah. do we have reason to believe that Noah, his three sons, and their three wives were in any way related to the Nephilim? I think that the answer is no. Um, so one of two things seems to make the most sense to me, that mm-hmm. that word evolved, if you will, in its meaning and either sometimes expands or contracts. Like, right. in, like in our own culture, if you use the term gay, um, you'll remember in, in the 1880s and the 1890s, it had nothing to do with homosexuality. Sure. But it's now come to mean something else in our culture, yep. in our society. Yep. So. So we use that word in a different way, and I suspect that, that it's quite possible that that's what happened with this word in that circumstance.
3: Um, um, unless, like you said, one of those other perspectives that it wasn't referring to angels. or you know, Right, you
1: know, right. The, the, it's a human being who is a human being. Yeah, now, there's
3: this so, inside, like you have two five-foot people who have a six foot kid, you know?
1: Right. Yeah. Or, or if you look at Shaquille O'Neal and you look, well, well, you know, when you're over seven feet tall, does that mean he's Nephilim? Well, he's (laughs) extended. Well, but, but, but then again, you look at someone who is like four foot eight and you go, how do you explain someone who's four foot eight and someone who's seven foot four? And the answer are genetics um and and so is it possible that the like you just said it's a human being so so that's why i said i i think there's only three options angelic beings human beings or a human being who's a possessed by an angelic being or in yeah. this case it would be a demonic being and so if that's right the, but even in those
3: cases, would that still? I mean, when you take a human being that's possessed by an angelic being or or, or demonic being or whatever, in that case, that isn't the the um, angelic being still using the anatomy of the of the being that's being possessed.
1: Doesn't exactly, exactly. Yeah. But then here is where I would again throw in a, a little curveball, and the curveball is this: would would supernatural beings be aware of d- genetic signatures, and and just like you know, we breed dogs and cats and horses. You know, we obviously didn't understand about genetic signatures until mm-hmm. the 1950s, when when um, when Crick and Watson discovered DNA. But is it possible that supernatural beings are able to manipulate genetic signatures in a way that we don't necessarily understand or know about? So is it possible yeah. that, that you could organize gene pools to creating monsters or gigantic people? Um, right, right. I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. Th- this is one of those, un- <laughs> and this is where again I talk about whatever choice you make, it's creepy.
3: Yeah, there's challenges. Um, how about just the uh, the the ungodly line with the godly line? Is that
1: well? Let's think mm-hmm. about that. Why would a god? L- let's say a-, a believer marries an unbeliever. Does that make does it does it have a genetic effect on the offspring? And I'm going to suggest to you, no, right? Um, you know, human beings are human beings, whether they're believer or unbeliever. They're human beings. So, I, I the way that I think I would talk about it is there might be a genetic predisposition based on other factors like. Remember with Noah and uh, long ages, uh, you know, um, you know, how do we explain Noah and lifespans? Sure. Um, and so, but but again, when we were trying to figure that out, even in my lifetime, very few people thought that maybe we're talking about some sort of not atmospheric circumstance but genetic circumstance is it possible because we see noah um is 600 years old when the flood comes he lives literally for another 4 or 500 years I, I it's more like 400 but mm-hmm. a, as you look at the the genealogical tables you see the sons going from five, you know uh like shem and his offspring, and and they get progressively less and less and less. So so we have a we have a physical and a genetic um, component. But so so that's that's how I would answer your question about how, the passage that you talked about earlier. In, and,
3: and and then just to throw in another one: Is it possible? I like how you use that word. Is it possible? <laughs> um, that the uh, the mighty men of renown isn't necessarily referring to physio- uh, physiology. Is, is it, could it be something uh, something else?
1: Yeah, like like people who are heroes or have exploits or sure, who exactly. who 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 seem to be the kind of mythological people people that right. the Greeks like, and the Romans talked about. Oh, yeah. Hey, thank you for your call. Appreciate it. This is Gino Girazi. Enjoy your weekend. Three-star general,
0: Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military.
1: Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the
0: use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.